questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. It is said that Buddha's mother conceived her son while in a state of blissful meditation under a banyan tree. Mary conceived Jesus in more or less the same way. It's also been said that Zoroaster, Leonardo da Vinci, Mary and Hannah, Mary's mother, and Moses, plus Athena and Athena's mother, Plato, Alexander the Great, and scores more geniuses, visionaries, leaders, and healers throughout history are claimed to have come about this way. If many of the lower species can and do conceive parthenogenetically, I don't think it's too absurd or irrational to assume that humans can too. There will be more questions than answers regarding tonight's interview. But tonight's special guest has researched this topic for over 50 years, searching, researching, and contemplating. We will thoroughly explore this subject of subjects through science, mythology, archaeology, religion, indigenous people, and yes, personal testimonies. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, rebounders, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Dean Poitras has been a lifelong artist and musician with a passionate curiosity for life's deep mysteries. You stumble upon books regarding matriarchy, longevity, women's mysteries, and parthenogenesis in 1969 at the age of 18. Our universe, uterus, is way beyond our comprehension, he says. And the book is titled Parthenogenesis, Women's Long-Lost Ability to Self-Conceive. And directly from Ashburnham, Massachusetts, I would like to welcome Den Poitras. Hello, Den, and welcome to Veritas. Thanks very much, Mel. Uh, I've, I'm very honored to uh, have been invited to speak about this uh, unusual subject, uh, which apparently, I mean, it, it, on the surface, it, men might be threatened by it <laughs> because it it suggests that perhaps men are not needed at all. But that's not the case whatsoever, and it, it's not just a book for women even though it's a very powerful powerful feminine uh knowledge ancient and present and uh futuristic but uh anyway here I am I you just finished reading the book it's not very long i think it's 150 pages but by the way, that that's right, what you just said. I wanted to say it later, and I'll say it later, but this is not about the feminazis at all. It's about the divine feminine. Exactly. And it's about conducting right. an objective investigation about what might be happening still to this day. But you sent me a dedicated copy of your book, Dan, and I appreciate that. And above your autograph, you said, always be curious. Curiosity didn't kill the cat after all. 
I think it's appropriate to mention I've always had an overdeveloped sense of wonder, and tonight's topic is one of those that will definitely need for people to keep an open mind. So let's begin by defining the word parthenogenesis. Tell us what it means, and then I want to know what motivated you to study this topic. Right, yeah. Yeah, just to learn not to pronounce it uh, took me a while. Parthenon parthenogenesis it comes oh, from the parthenogenesis okay. that parthenon yes right like like the parthenon in uh, greeks dedicated to goddess athena who among other things is the inventor of greek democracy which is partly the form of democracy that here in america we use but it's also mixed with tribal uh, knowledge of the six confederated tribes of New England, which is a whole nother subject, but anyway. So the Parthenon, the root meaning is of virgin origin. It's ancient knowledge, the, the possibility of women conceiving without male activity is something that's, well, it, it's very much accepted in India. That they believe that that's how the gurus are, are conceived, and it's a, it's a relatively easy idea for them to accept parthenogenesis, or also called virgin birth, which doesn't make sense when you think about it. But uh, what started me off on it, well, I always had... Before you say that, before you say that, what you said about the Parthenon, yeah. I wonder that. So if the word Parthenon means virgin... A virgin origin. Virgin yeah. origin. Why virgin origin for the Parthenon? Yeah, well, it has to do with the, its claim that uh, Athena was born that way, was conceived that way, as was her mother. And the theory lying behind it, I mean, it's in the major religions. Buddha was conceived supposedly that way, and so was, of course, the most famous one here in the West is uh, Jesus. And the theory is that if a woman conceives that way, that it's like a direct influence upon the egg, the unfertilized egg from the creator, from uh, the light the, of unconditional love that permeates all matter, living and inanimate. Now we're getting into physics, so there's a physics aspect to it, obviously. So how does this work? A woman has to have, she has to be kind of like in an athletic condition. And that the, anyway, the, the, the whole idea of this is that the children born through these conceptions are highly gifted. But that didn't, that puts a shadow on regular birth, you know, and we don't want to do that. Every child has gifts and is born into this world with gifts, but supposedly the difference is that there's a more there's a, a clearer path among parthenogenetic children, so that their gifts are more easily accessible. Like supposedly Jesus was a great healer, Buddha was a great man for clarity and peace and wisdom and love as well. And uh, as among American Indian tribes, there's the great peacemaker who about 1,200 years ago, his birth was claimed 
to be of virgin origin as well. And he brought all the, the, the warring tribes of New England together, the six confederated nations, and his he developed a form of democracy. And when William Penn and Ben Franklin found out about how the six confederated tribes worked together, because about 1,200 years ago they were warring, and this peacemaker of virgin origin uh, brought them all together and had a form of democracy. Uh, and when, like I was saying, when William Penn and uh, Ben Franklin found out how they did it, they mixed Greek democracy with the Sixth Confederated Tribe democracy. And so America potentially has the best, most advanced form of democracy on the planet. But I still think America is struggling to achieve democracy. It gets awfully close, but it keeps getting batted down by uh, the forces of weakness that people somehow want a strong dictator. And so it's like fascism or democracy. And that battle is more present than ever. So we need a peacemaker. <laughs> we need a strong parthenogenetic peacemaker, woman or man. We don't know. So I'm just kind of improvising on this spectacular word, parthenogenesis, and it, it just means of virgin origin. I started reading about it because I joined a raw food healing organization, the people that basically made sprouts popular in the 1960s and early 1970s. They originated wheatgrass, wheatgrass juice, which you find in health food stores. Sure. And it's because of the chlorophyll content that makes wheatgrass so interesting and powerful. And under the microscope, the molecule of, uh, one might say, <laughs> chlorophyll, the molecule of chlorophyll is almost identical to the molecule of hemoglobin, the what? human blood, a blood cell. So it's interesting. I mean, you could define human beings as the most successful creature to harness the energy of the sun, our ability. It's like uh, just from a physical level, I mean, you think about the sunlight is bombarding this planet and the green leaves through photosynthesis, they get to store the energy. And then there is all kinds of animals that eat the greens and that sunlight energy gets stored in their flesh. And then along comes a caveman and eats the flesh and it's it's all sunlight energy that's trapped in things and in creatures and in plants. And so it's a food chain. So we're at the top of the food chain. We're like self-conscious sunlight, you know, on the, just the physical level. But on a higher level, we're self-conscious light that permeates the light that the physicists talk about, this energy, unified field of energy that permeates all of existence. So let's think about an unfertilized egg. And let's think about... Uh, a sperm. A sperm is only one. No, no. 
the egg is, I think, 175,000 times bigger than a single sperm. I read that it's 10 million. The human egg is 10 million times, a, a, a cell, is 10 million times really? larger than a sperm cell. Right. Yeah, so whatever that figure, it's massive. <laughs> Maybe it's like a satellite going around the Earth. You know, look of it that way. And that's the the uh, that's the male contribution. You know, and how does that work? Uh, only one of those sperms gets to perp to uh, puncture the outer layer of the egg and, and spark up life. Fertilization. Right. Does, it, is it, you know, doesn't take that much to spark up life. Exactly. So you know. So why would it be so impossible that a woman in a state of physical, a very, like, a athletic shape and on a special diet of, like, raw food, you know, with lots of chlorophyll and fruits and nuts and all organic, and maybe she fasts and, and maybe uh, she was having periods in her, normally having periods and maybe... By increasing the purity of her diet, just like a woman athlete, they lose their period. They lose, they're like they stand on the moon. <laughs> they rise above the influence of menses, of menstruation. You know, this is, this is all conjecture. This is just logic once you start analyzing, well, how could a woman bring herself to a state of ecstasy and, and in harmony and like like uh, nirvana. Uh, there's an organic way to reach nirvana. You know, you don't necessarily have to eat fancy mushrooms that are going to alter your brain cells. You know, it might be just a little bit of fasting and joyous dance, you know, with, with the, a handful of wise women that know about this possibility. Uh, I read about a ceremony among the Chippewa, the Jibawa people, Ojibwa, of uh, Minnesota, Canada area. This is, um, I read a book about a man who spent 10 years uh, just researching old stories before the, the, the uh, appearance of the white man. And one of the stories that he got from one of the elders was of a certain ceremony that women have that they keep an eye out over the generations for the appearance of a young girl that shows grace, compassion, a sense of balance and caring. And they may, they ask if she's willing to try this old method of conceiving a child without a man, they, uh, you know, if she's interested and and has and would like to try it that they would prepare her through fasting and herbs and and then ceremonies that they built a lodge away from the main village of course it was announced that she was hands off for marriage you know she was kept for sacred purposes so nobody pestered her you know nobody tried to uh, to uh, court her so I read this in, in a book about the Ojibwa, and this is before the coming of the white man, they, you know, and, and their story of the virgin birth with Jesus. So, but they said that the reason, the reason to have, this is what they said, the reason to have 
children this way is that they bring a certain gift from the great spirit to the community, to the village. And could be that the people are down in spirit or that there's, there's been too much illness. So the, the, the child born through these conceptions uh, to take care of the problems of the community, because on a deeper level, the being that is being conceived uh, has special gifts for healing, for instance. Or it could be that they have a tremendous sense of humor and great negotiating skills so they can stop uh, wars between different tribes or just bring an incredible joy and a loving spirit to everyone. It could be that simple a gift. It doesn't have to be healing through touch or walking on water. Or By the way, who was Walter Sigmeister, later known as Dr. Raymond W. Bernard? What did he discover over 50 years ago? And I think he, he wrote the book, The Mysteries of Human Reproduction, right? Right, yeah. Oh, gee, yeah, this... Well, I know very little about him personally at all, but... Of course, I read his book, which a lot of people have, still available through, what is it, Montezuma Press or something. I'm not sure if that's even a name of it anymore. But if you look up the title, The Mysteries of Human Reproduction by Raymond Bernard, you can get a copy of it easy, you know. eBay puts them out, you know. And by the way, he's also credited with the merger of the, he was born in 1901, and he wrote a lot about the hollow earth theory and religious beliefs about UFOs, the merger of those two. Wow. I think you're right about that, yeah. Yeah, I was not... Of course, I'm I'm curious, and I'm drawn to... I always, I've always been, you know, like Bigfoot, the Yeti, Sasquatch, uh, Atlantis, Edgar Cayce, all the great mysteries of life. And uh, the, the Great Pyramid is one of my uh, favorites. Uh, the best book on that is by Christopher Dunn, D-U-N-N. Yep. We've had him on, and we discuss his work. Yeah. Sure. Oh, just love that guy. I sent him, before my book turned into a book, it was an article, only like a 26-page article on the very heart of parthenogenesis, which is based on the six-foot, two-inch tall woman that I met that fasted for a long time. She was a breatharian, of all things. That's, yep, yeah, somebody that doesn't eat solid food and just drinks water, not even eating supplements. I sent him that article, and he read it, and he wrote back to me, and it was amazing. The reason why I sent it to him is because they talked about a temple uh, what the heck is it called? <laughs> There's one of the temples in Egypt that's, that's supposedly where they practice divine birth. And that just lit a light bulb in my head. You know, that just, wow, I heard this whole talk about divine birth. And I said, well, perhaps they practice it there because there's links about the Greek priestesses that learned about, you know, how to do parthenogenesis, they learned it from Egypt. So there's the link. And so their pharaohs perhaps were born that way. I don't know. But uh, that knowledge was passed down, apparently. 
you know, it's like, show me the facts, as Christopher Dunn would say, you know. <laughs> show me the facts, but let me just say a couple of things. Yeah. You include in the book uh, Raymond Bernard and his work and The Lancet. And by the way, The Lancet, a lot of our listeners probably have. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.